This Solar Decathlon podcast was created by the American Institute of Architecture students. For more information on our organization, please go to www.aias.org. With only hours left in the build and tourists already stopping in the homes on their way to the Smithsonian Museums, things were definitely hectic. In our first podcast, we introduce you to the teams preparing for the build. But now, in our second, the energy is definitely much more tense, and the time is ticking away. Again, we turn to the participants for their stories. So how do you guys feel being a couple hours away from this almost almost being over? Good. <laughs> really, really good. good. Really good. <laughs> what were the biggest surprises? What's been going on lately? Are you on time? No. <laughs> no, we're, but we're, we're a bit late, but... Uh, we're gonna do it, definitely. Yes. And I'm I'm really really happy that it's it's over because this is like one and a half year of work, and tomorrow it's it's done and, and we yes. see the house as near we can. So it's not it's not that we're absolutely out of schedule. So we we will make it definitely. We will be late, but we will make it. So That's this is a good feeling. <laughs> yeah, because we didn't expect that there's so much work. To build a house, to build such a small house, actually, but it's only 75 square feet. So we thought it. Well, when I started, I thought it wouldn't be so so much um, work, and especially in certain a big group, lots of discussion, lots of different topics to deal with, and so lots of work you have to do, um, which are not actually see visible in the house. Nobody knows that it's ever been done. All the drawings, all the drawings that are. Uh, um, like got into the bin, for example, and everything. So, but that makes it even more um, more nice now to, to finish because it was such, such uh, hard work all the time, and now it's getting finished and it's really good. It's really exciting. Okay. It's really a very nice atmosphere on the working on the mall, seeing all the other teams just. Having the same same troubles or same same work you know, yourself have, and of course uh, the site and the, the monument and everything. It's really and the weather is really hot, so much hotter than we had in had in Germany. And so it's well, it's a kind of kind of adventure. Yeah. I hope that um, we will have time the next days to, to to talk to the other guys to the other teams. Because the last days we, we were preparing the, the house and um, we were working and just just working and sleeping and um, there, there was no time for for other other things. So um, I think will will be good to to uh, to um, to talk to the to the other other guys. And also spend some time with our house because we haven't seen it uh, finished completely like it is now. Um, so it really is the first time we see it finished. Yeah, and yeah. we had we have some time, uh, like seeing it without being tired, without thinking about work, just seeing it finished and, and just enjoying it. Finished. What's what's going through your head? What do you think? <laughs> it's that almost is that key word. We've still got something like 30 hours before we need to be completely done with everything. 
Uh, seven, seven o'clock tomorrow morning, we need to ship out our trucks that we can't keep them on the mall anymore. So all of our major construction, all the band saws and everything, that needs to be out of here. So uh, <laughs> that almost is what's going through my head right now. We gotta, we gotta keep plugging away. We're gonna have people here all night again. What's the night gonna be like, do you think? Uh, <laughs> probably just like the past few nights. People here working away. I've, I'm a communication major, but I've been wiring up the lighting system. Uh, we had something like 30 people here two days ago, uh, or yesterday even, and about half of that team left yesterday morning because classes just started back up and people, uh, a lot of people can't commit to staying here for two, three weeks on end. I'm going to be here straight through because I'm going to be running the tours, uh, so I want to see how everything goes. Uh, but we've got everyone here doing something. <laughs> so your team, you said you're a communications major. Tell yes. me a little bit about the makeup of your team? Is it diverse? What was it like oh, yeah. working with all those backgrounds? Uh, well, there are seven undergraduate colleges at Cornell, uh, and I'm not going to try to rattle them all off of the top of my head, but they range from, we have a hotel school, we have an architecture school, uh, I'm in the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences, so we have, in that hundred some odd people on the team, represent all seven of those undergraduate colleges, as well as, I think, about five different graduate programs. We've got engineers, architects, landscape architects, and a whole bunch of MBA students working on the business team uh, for our graduate student uh, side. So we are a very, very diverse team. Cornell's really big on the interdisciplinary thing. So, I mean, I'm a communications major and I'm <laughs> stuck in a sea of engineers and architects. And it's sometimes it's a real challenge trying to synthesize all the really heavy technical language of the engineers with the sometimes flowery and academic sounding architectural language in such a way that the people who are going to be walking down uh, to Kathleen Way in a couple of days can understand. Tell me a little bit more about that as a communications major, looking at architects and engineers and watching the two of them interact and collaborate. What's that been like? Uh, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, my specific focus is science writing, so this is pretty much exactly what I want to do. But uh, I remember during one of our design charrettes, basically just a solid weekend of engineers and architects working together, hashing out designs and finalizing, competing against each other for which design is best. Uh, one of the architecture professors or advisors said to the architects, to his students, that you, they all really need to take a lesson from what they're experiencing right now because this is how things work in the real world. You have to go out and deal with these engineers who are usually going to be brought in on a contract basis. And it's just uh, it's an outside-of-the-academic sphere kind of experience. I mean, it's kind of... It's it's really relaxing just because we've been going like non-stop for well like months now and it's getting to actually slow down it feels actually weird I, I feel like I want to keep working and things like that but it's very nice to have people coming in and giving the feedback um, it's nice to hear from outside people and not just people we've been working with for months on that so I mean it, it's great you put in you put so much into a project and to finally see it finalize and come to a conclusion it um, you know kind of reaffirms everything you've been doing for the past year year and a half yeah it's kind of like what they said, you know, it's really exciting to finally see you know, everything working together and uh, really need to see how it all came together. And then, yeah, no, I mean, one of the biggest lessons I learned from the whole thing was like, uh, you know, with industrial design, like having to design anything from like furniture, things like that, um, you actually have to like, we had to actually build it ourselves. And so that's a level we can't just make something like a magic box type feeling where, you know, we actually have to know how it'll work, how it'll fit together um, and actually how to build it. And so that was a, you know, unique challenge that we actually, you know, like maybe limited on our design a little bit, but it's more rewarding because it's like, 
everything we got to do. And it's, you know, it's everything here was crafted by students, which is a really rewarding experience. Um, I actually work more on the engineering side, but from what I saw, uh, I guess one really important thing is, you know, it's really difficult to, you know, both go back and forth with, you've got a design, you have to figure out how to build it and make things work. So it was really important for both sides to be really flexible and uh, open. We asked each of the teams to reflect on the village and the competition as a way to understand the legacy of what's really happening in these three weeks. You have to understand that for these students and educators, this build has been two years in the making, and of course, they have a great attachment to their homes. Uh, all the technology and all the ideas that were uh, well developed for this event would become uh, part of you know everyday building somewhere. and. Uh, it would make an influence into the yeah everyday life of lots of people. The me uh, part of the message is that you know this is real. I mean, this is possible, and we can do this now. You know, we we I, I think we talk about sustainable um, su sustainable energy as as um, a product of the future. Yet here we are taking part in that future today. And even part of the message is like just look at what like a bunch of twenty-year-olds did um, to be able to put it together something like this, and even like little over a year uh, to be able to build a whole house and every single bit of system that went in here, um, almost all of it was student-made. And just that we can all do this, and just to say that we built a solar house, competed, brought it to you know the mall in DC is just an incredible accomplishment. There are going to be thousands and thousands of people who come through these houses this weekend. What do you want them to take with them as they walk through the Cornell House, and what do you think they'll remember when they walk away? I really, really hope that everyone goes through the Cornell House seeing a home that they could see themselves living in, while at the same time understanding that these sometimes described as radical, but really not so much uh, technologies, these solar power, the evacuated tubes, even the energy-efficient appliances like an LCD TV or an induction stove, you don't have to have some crazy futuristic architecturally experimental home to have an energy efficient and renewable life. So really it's out there now and there's no reason not to start using these technologies. This was the second in our series. We hope you enjoyed this podcast produced by the American Institute of Architecture students. Thank you for listening.